The Gamecocks have a big-time 2024 target who is announcing his commitment on Sunday afternoon. Who is this target I'm referring to, and will he pick the Gamecocks? We'll discuss all that and more today on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Gamecocks is brought to you by Sling TV. Sling has something for everyone, especially when it comes to college football coverage. With a massive lineup of games across the ACC, the Big Ten, Pac-12, and SEC, I can always catch the game I want on Sling, and now you can too. Check out Sling TV now to see the massive lineup of games they have all season long. Sling, the TV you love for the price you'll love. Try it today. Hello, Gamecock Nation. Happy Friday to all of you, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Line, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen every day. We are free and available on YouTube, and we're to get your podcast daily. Real quickly, want to apologize for the inconvenience for today's show being out later than usual. I was going to record the show late last night and needless to say the website that I used to record the show was having some technical difficulties on their end that did not allow me to make the show so unfortunately I had to push it back but I hope that there will not be any issues during today's show either way Today's show is going to cover a lot of different topics. We're going to talk about a big-time target from the 2024 class in Mazio Bennett making his commitment on Sunday afternoon. I'll talk about where my thoughts are heading into this announcement and the skills that he brings to the football field. In the middle portion of the show, I'm going to revisit the question that I sort of brought up earlier this week when talking about how the passing offense needs to do better in the second half of the season. Specifically, who could be that third big receiving threat that steps up behind Antoine Wells and Jalen Brooks? And then at the end of the show, I'm going to give y'all sort of my own personal reaction to Lamont Paris's press conference that he held on Wednesday afternoon with the local media. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get right into it because we got a lot to cover on today's show. Let's start off with the biggest news that will take place for the Gamecocks this weekend since there's not going to be anything happening on the football field. There will be something happening in Greenville, South Carolina as big-time wide receiver target from Greenville High School, Mazio Bennett, is announcing his commitment on Sunday, October the 16th in the middle of of the afternoon. I think it's going to be sometime between 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And he's got a lot of finalists on his list based on the tweet that he posted, I believe, a week, week and a half or so ago. The finalists for Mazio Bennett are Tennessee, Florida State, Alabama, Oregon, North Carolina, Georgia, Miami, and South Carolina. However, based on everything that has been seen recently, it seems like that this recruitment is down to Tennessee and South Carolina. Now, before I get into who I think is going to probably end up landing him based on the latest that multiple recruiting analysts have been discussing, why is this recruitment so important for South Carolina? Well, there's a few different reasons. First of all, most importantly, he is an in-state prospect. And when you have really good players from the state of South Carolina, it is imperative for South Carolina to try to keep as many of those prospects in-state as possible. Obviously, 
You're not going to land every single one every time. When you have a prospect that you have a lot of legitimate mutual interest with in Mazio Bennett, you got to try to keep as many of these guys in state as possible. Because there's years that are dry years for South Carolina in terms of high school talent. There's not a whole lot of really high caliber players that could play at the SEC level. And then you got other years where it's like you've got literally a bevy of prospects to choose from. So needless to say, big time target because he is from the state of South Carolina. He's also a target at a position of need for the Gamecocks in terms of their recruiting. South Carolina at the wide receiver position, which is where Mazio Bennett is projected to play college ball at at the next level. They currently have seven either junior or senior wide receivers on the roster. That includes a couple fifth or sixth year seniors who by the end of the season are going to exhaust all of their eligibility no matter what. So South Carolina has got to restock this position ASAP over the 2023 and 2024 cycle. In the 2023 recruiting class, South Carolina right now has two guys who are looking likely to play this position in college in Kelton Henderson and CJ Adams. But again, obviously, that's only two guys for the wide receiver position, and there's seven guys on this roster that are upperclassmen. South Carolina cannot take their chances with having only just two guys over the next two classes that are committed to this position. they got to get some more guys there. Maisie Open has been one of the biggest targets for this staff at this position for quite some time now. And with good reason, the final reason why this is such an important recruiting battle, he is a really talented kid. I'm not going to go over everything on today's show because, of course, if he announces his commitment, I'll be more in-depth about what my thoughts are about his potential. But what I saw when watching his film from the first half of his junior season at Greenville High School, he's extremely physical in the running game. This is not a guy who is afraid to go after opposing cornerbacks in terms of perimeter blocking, something that Shane Beamer has talked about time and time again at press conferences. He values that a great deal in his offensive skill players. He also can make spectacular catches. He can make catches in traffic. It's one thing to just be able to make the normal catches that you should make at the wide receiver position, but when the defensive back is in a good position, Maybe the quarterback doesn't make the best of throws. Can you still make a play on the ball? That's what separates good and great wide receivers from average wide receivers. Mazio Bennett is one of those guys that takes it to the next level in terms of being able to reel in the football. He also has great acceleration. He has a good release off the line. His acceleration allows him to really kick into high gear very quickly, and it can catch defenders off guard at times. I'm not, not to say that he's deceivingly fast. He's not necessarily like a 4-3 burner type, but... But he's got like probably low 4-5, high 4-4 type speed. But mixed in with that great acceleration makes him a real dangerous threat when he gets the football. And he's got green grass in front of him. And that leads to my last point about him, which is he's a dangerous return man. This is a kid that made a lot of big time plays for Greenville so far his junior season, both in kick return and punt return. So, I mean, heck, if he can't see the field for one reason or another early on on offense, he is certainly somebody who could be a weapon for your team in special teams. Beamer Ball is obviously a big emphasis in Shane Beamer's program, which the backbone of that is special teams play, stealing possession, scoring on special teams. Mazio Bennett is certainly a kid who could help in that facet of this program. Now, I say all this to lead into the final part of this conversation, at least for today's show. Where will Mazio Bennett go? Now, according to On3's data, Mazio Bennett has visited South Carolina seven times in this recruiting process. Just based on hearing that number, you might think that South Carolina has a near insurmountable lead that every other finalist is going to have to try to overcome in order to land his commitment. 
He has visited the Tennessee Volunteers three times. And you might be wondering, why are you bringing that up? I bring that up to lead into this. A very unfortunate fact right now. On Three's Recruiting Prediction Machine, which is not just done by fans. This is done by lead experts and recruiting analysts on On Three's national website, regionally and nationally, I should say. And that recruiting prediction machine right now has Mazio Bennett listed as a heavy Tennessee lean, listing the volunteers as having right now a 90.1% chance to land him. So here's what I'll say, Gamecock fans. I know you're probably really upset right now hearing that. Obviously, he has yet to announce his commitment. No matter where he commits, admittedly, this recruitment's going to be far from over. Mazio Bennett, I don't know if he's going to enroll early in the 2024 cycle, maybe be a January or December enrollee. Either way, you know, this recruitment will not be over by long shot wherever he announces he is going, unless he just decides to shut it down. The point being, admittedly, based on what other people are saying, it seems like Tennessee right now is the team to beat. It seems like they made a really big impact on him when they hosted him for their game against Florida a couple weekends back at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. And I will admit, if Maceo Bennett were to commit to Tennessee this would be a very telling sign about how certain prospects at that position feel about this offense. It would lead to a whole other conversation that I'm not going to have on today's show. Because again, he hasn't announced a commitment yet. But it does seem like he is leaning towards the Volunteers. So if he ends up going to Tennessee or if he ends up committing to South Carolina, you know, obviously there is still a chance you could pick the Gamecocks. And if he does that, I will talk about his commitment on Sunday when it happens. If he commits to Tennessee, I'm still going to talk about his commitment on Monday because we need to have a very important conversation regarding all that in terms of the on-field production and the recruiting aspect for certain positions like wide receiver. So that is the latest on Mazio Bennett. Again, might not sound great, but that is what we have as of this moment in time. Now, of course, the Gamecocks are in pursuit of wide receiver target Mazio Bennett from the 2024 class, but they've also got wide receivers that are still currently on the roster. Jalen Brooks and Antoine Wells Jr. have both had tremendous seasons so far at that position. But the passing offense needs to take another step forward if they want to continue to stack up wins as this season progresses. And in my opinion, that means another receiving target is going to have to step up for this offense. Who could be that player? I'm going to talk about that in the middle portion of the show in just a few moments. But first, I want to let y'all know that today's show is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up your college football season. Now, the games available for the college football pick'em this week are Navy at SMU, which I believe takes place later tonight, Miami at Virginia Tech, Arizona at Washington, Southern Cal at Utah, and Washington State at Oregon State. For me this week, I got two high-low pick'ems that I'm eyeballing. I'm taking Virginia Tech quarterback Grant Wells to throw for lower than 216 and a half passing yards against Miami, as he's yet to throw for more than 193 yards against a Power 5 opponent this season. These are the kind of trends that you need to start looking at six weeks into this season. Looking at that trend, it spells for a bad passing day for Virginia Tech quarterback Grant Wells. I'm also going to take Washington running back Wayne Talapapa to rush for more than 71 and a half rushing yards against Arizona, who feels the fifth worst rush defense in all of college football. Washington's a very pass-heavy offense as well, which could lead to Arizona really trying to respect that passing game by playing a lot of soft zone, not having as many guys lined up in the box. So it could wind up being a really solid opportunity for Wayne over at Washington to be able to get more than 71 and a half rushing yards. 
Who would you pick? Let me know and sign up with the promo code locked on, all one word, at Underdog. And Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100, meaning if you put in $100, you'll get $100 for free. So go to UnderdogFantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code locked on, all one word. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. All right, so I talked about Mazio Bennett at the beginning of the show. So now let's talk about the receivers that we currently have on the roster. Right now, Antoine Juice Wells and Jalen Brooks have been both of Carolina's top two targets so far this season in the receiving department, combining for 47 receptions, 710 receiving yards, and an average of 15.35 yards per catch. Quite impressive numbers for both of these guys considering. Behind those two, however, the next player on that list is running back Marshawn Lloyd, who's racked up 15 catches for 149 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. Obviously, it's not normally a really good thing to have your starting running back be one of your top three receiving targets in an offense. So, I mentioned this a few days ago on one of my shows regarding the passing offense needing to do better in the second half of the season. So, I decided to maybe do a deeper dive into this conversation regarding who could step up as a third significant receiving threat the second half of the season from the wide receiver and tight end group specifically? And there are three candidates in my mind on the roster that could fulfill that role. The first one being Jaheim Bell. Now, why would he fill in this role? Well, Jaheim Bell, in my opinion, from an overall standpoint on offense, has the third highest ceiling from a talent standpoint, behind maybe Marshawn Lloyd and Spencer Rattler. He can line up anywhere on the football field, even at the running back spot. He's too fast for linebackers, and he's too big for most defensive backs. He's got solid route running, he's got a nasty little stiff arm, and he can take any pass that he catches for six running down the field. So, it's pretty easy to see why Jaheim Bell could be that third guy. So, you might be wondering, well, why hasn't he been that third guy? Well, admittedly, it doesn't matter how much talent you have if you aren't seeing any playing time on the football field. I mentioned this earlier in the week, and I'll bring it up again. ESPN brought up a graphic during the South Carolina-Kentucky game this past Saturday. And with that graphic, it was the amount of snaps that Jaheim Bell had seen so far this season. He had seen a lot of snaps at different positions, which was the main point of showing the graphic. But I counted up the amount of snaps the graphic showed at that point in the football game, which I believe was the third quarter. And... With the amount of snaps, Jaheim Bell had only seen around 100 snaps on the field overall up to this point in the year. Now, you divide 100 by 6. That means that Jaheim Bell is basically seeing a little less than 20 or 15 snaps a football game. For a guy of his caliber, this could be a whole nother conversation. Unless he has had some beef with the coaches off the field that nobody knows about, he's been in trouble academically, which I believe he would have been suspended for if that was the case, 
Or maybe he's hiding an injury that he has right now that the coaches don't want opposing teams to know about, which would be for good reason because of how good Jaheim Bell truly is and wanting to have to play some gamesmanship there. There could be a multitude of reasons why Jaheim Bell's not seeing the field as much, but the bottom line is he isn't right now. And if there's nothing wrong with him, if he hasn't maybe you know gotten on the bad side or in the doghouse with the coaching staff, he needs to see the field a lot more. He could easily be one of the top receivers in the SEC right now. He could be one of the best receiving threats at the tight end position. you got to utilize him more, okay? So he should be the first candidate that is brought up in this conversation every single time. The next candidate that we'll talk about real quick is Amarian Brown, who also has an argument for why he could be that third receiving threat. He's the best guy in the receiver room in terms of being able to take the top off of defense. In terms of straight line speed, nobody is faster in that position group than Amarian Brown. He has legitimate low 4-4, maybe high 4-3 type speed in the slot position. He gets upfield quick and in a hurry after the catch. He could be a real dangerous threat in terms of getting some screen passes on the edge. So, in essence, he's your biggest big play threat in that room. So that's a pretty good reason to believe why he could step up behind Antoine Wells and Jalen Brooks. So why wouldn't he be that guy? Well, South Carolina, for one reason or another, has struggled on many plays that need time to progress. Basically, plays that involve intermediate to deep passing routes for just about everyone on the field, the type of plays that Amari Brown is normally out there for, for obvious reasons, like I just mentioned. And for one reason or another, whether the receivers aren't getting enough separation, maybe Spencer Rattler is just not seeing the field clearly, maybe the O-line blocking does not hold up long enough against the opponent that they're facing on that play, you know... For any of those reasons, it just has not really panned out in terms of trying to establish a deep passing game in this offense so far this year. So, obviously, if that trend continues, it would hurt guys like Amari Brown who really need those kind of plays in order to be able to showcase his true abilities that he brings to this offense. The last guy that I'm going to bring up, admittedly, is probably the biggest wild card, at least in my eyes, out of this group. That is Corey Rucker. Now, what is the reason why he would be that third big receiving threat the second half of this season? Well, Corey Rucker, in my eyes, is one of the best all-around athletes in this entire group. He brings solid speed. Not a Marion Brown speed, but he's pretty fast nonetheless at the slot position. But the thing that gets me about Corey Rucker, he's very shifty in the open field when he has some space between him and oncoming defenders. He's got really great agility in order to shake guys loose, sort of break some arm tackles, and get himself some extra yards after contact, yards after the catch. He is really good in this department. I think he's a solid route runner as well, hence the reason why he plays the slot position, I believe, more often than not, or at least he did, when he was at Arkansas State, his previous stop. Now... The reason why he wouldn't be that guy, in this case, it would be quite obvious. He has not played in any games this season except for the South Carolina State game. So, because of that, he could still be behind in terms of the terminology and sort of getting into a groove, getting into a rhythm of how this offense operates, how to get the timing down with quarterback Spencer Rattler. He wasn't in spring practice either. So, the only time that Corey Rucker has really seen some serious time running plays in this offense has been for like the first half of fall camp. And he got hurt about halfway through fall camp as well. 
So Corey Rucker has spent a lot of valuable time in order to sort of get acclimated to this offense, to the rest of the guys in this offense. So because of that, it's pretty logical to say that against a bunch of these SEC opponents now that we're getting ready to face and Clemson at the end of the schedule, that that's probably not the time where you're going to see Corey Rucker blow up. Obviously, I think I could be wrong on that. I think he's got a lot of talent and potential that he brings to that group, which is why I listed him here. But otherwise, I think it will be pretty hard to see him be that third receiving threat out of the three guys that I just mentioned in Jaheim Bell, Amari Brown, and himself, Corey Rucker. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. All right, so I've talked a lot about football recruiting and the current state of the football program, at least in terms of receiving on the offensive side of the ball for this football team. So to finish off the show today, I want to take a turn towards the men's basketball front. Lamont Paris, of course, met with the local media on Wednesday afternoon for a local media availability day where basically a bunch of us media members were able to sit through a press conference that he had. Then we sort of had like a gaggle session where we were able to talk to multiple assistant coaches and some of the players as well. For the sake of time, however, I'm going to pretty much just give y'all my reaction to the press conference that Lamont Paris had himself. So to start off, it seems like that Lamont Paris really feels good about this team in terms of the buy-in that he has. He did also seem to sort of emphasize at the same time, however, that, look, this is my first year in this program. Obviously, I've got my system along with my assistant coaches that we like to run, and these guys are not going to be able to run everything that we want them to run. It's going to be pretty much whatever they're comfortable with running, the things that they can run well, or the things that are based mostly off of their willingness to do it and the effort that they're willing to give, those are the things that we're going to focus on in year one. That was pretty much what Lamont Paris said. So in essence, he is not going to overload these guys in terms of all the different plays that he wants them to run, maybe the play style that he wants them to have in mind whenever they got a specific coverage on defense or maybe a specific concept that the team's running on offense. He's not going to overcomplicate things is what I'm trying to get at. He is going to let them do what they're most comfortable with and what they thrive in. He is not going to load their plate so much to where it has a negative impact on every aspect of their game. Lamont understands a great deal about how much that could seriously impact the play of the players that are on the court. So he is not going to do that sort of thing. But there are going to be some rough patches, as he somewhat alluded to in this press conference, without flat out saying it. Now... Another thing that I picked up on, it is very clear and evident based on what Lamont Paris said that Hayden Brown, the transfer from the Citadel who was coming to South Carolina, I believe is now a sixth year player here. I think he's even going into law school based on what I have heard. He has been in college for that long now. Hayden Brown is going to be the glue guy for this team. In essence, he's going to be leaned on for his leadership, the experience that he brings. Obviously, going to a military school like the Citadel, you learn a lot about leadership and discipline, being able to sort of galvanize a group of people together, whether you know them well enough or whether you don't know them very well at all. Hayden Brown might be the perfect guy to be the leader for this team because of the background that he has, along with the experience he has in terms of being a basketball player in college. And Lamont Paris seemed to convey that a great deal 
at this press conference. He talked about how Hayden Brown, he understands what these young guys are going to go through. And I listened to sort of the gaggle interviews that Hayden Brown was doing with some of the other media members whenever he was available. And one of the things that Hayden Brown mentioned when someone asked him about, you know, how do you feel about G.G. Jackson? What do you think of him as a basketball player? You know, how much do you think he'll bring to the team this year? Hayden Brown made sure to emphasize, and he wasn't just saying this just to blow smoke. He meant every word of this. He said, yes, G.G. Jackson's a very talented basketball player. Everyone understands that. But I want to get to know him better as a person. That is the kind of guy that you need to have leading your sports team. So Hayden Brown, it seems like he's going to be the alpha in terms of bringing the guys together, getting these guys under wraps, sort of making sure they understand what they need to do. So obviously, that's a very important role for every team to have. Hayden Brown seems like he's going to fill that role this first season with Lamont Paris as the coach. Lamont Paris also did make sure to emphasize Gigi is still a young kid who needs time to come along. He did talk about the age factor. Gigi Jackson is 17 years old. He did leave high school an entire year early in order to come to the college level. Now, is he more prepared and equipped to handle this kind of pressure, this kind of task, than most high school players who might do something like this? Uh, Yeah. But physically, he still needs to come along. Rebounding, he mentioned specifically, is something that he needs to work on a little bit more because he is sort of more that modern big. He's a guy that is really going to help out on the offensive end. He can pop the three. He can shoot from the baseline. He can take guys from the top of the key, off the dribble. He could do a bunch of different things offensively. But can you still fulfill some of the traditional roles of a power forward? That's the kind of stuff that Gigi Jackson wants to work on some while he is here at South Carolina, amongst probably some other things as well. Now, in terms of what he wants to build at South Carolina, this was, in my opinion, the biggest part of Lamont Paris's entire press conference. He talked about how when he was at Wisconsin, at one point, there was a group of 20 to 22-year-old kids, college students, who, of course, are going to all these basketball games because all they know in terms of Wisconsin basketball is that they've been really good. They had made it to the NCAA tournament at one point like 17 years out of an 18-year span, and those 20 to 22-year-olds All they knew was Wisconsin making the NCAA tournament. And so they were all rah-rah. They all cheered for them because they just knew that more often than not, good things were going to happen. So basically, they were serving as energy in their stadium, in their arena. But there was a group of 50-year-olds, you know, an older generation, who remembered a time when Wisconsin was not making the NCAA tournament very often, that maybe they made it once in an 18-year period. And what Lamont Paris tried to convey with this message, with this story, was that He wants to build a generation of basketball fans at South Carolina that can look back and say, man, I remember that time when South Carolina made it to the tournament 17 out of 18 years. They made it to the Final Four X amount of times. I mean, they won a national championship. He wants to build a winning culture, a winning expectation. That was the overall bottom line and the reason why he mentioned all of this. And I thought that was very profound because, again, it didn't come off as, you know, he was just blowing smoke, you know, saying, yeah, of course I want to win. Of course I want to make the NCAA tournament. He wasn't talking in that manner. He was talking like he was legitimately serious about this. He wants South Carolina fans to be excited about men's basketball again. He wants to give them a product that they're going to be excited to go to the Colonial Life Arena and cheer on. He wants to give them that. He also acknowledged that there's going to be some rough moments. Again, referring to probably the early stages of what he's trying to build. Don't be surprised if there's nights where we come out and, you know, maybe it doesn't look as good. It's not a finished product right now. He emphasized all that in one message, and I thought it was the best part of his entire press conference. The last thing I'll mention for today's show 
When he was asked about the freshman class at the end, obviously he was asked multiple times about G.G. Jackson, different aspects about, you know, him as a basketball player. Have you talked about him or have you talked to him about what he's going to have to deal with, you know, having the cachet and status that he has as a celebrity, basically on a college campus, which let's be honest, that's what G.G. Jackson is right now. He is a hometown celebrity. He was asked about him and all the other freshmen, and he said that he really likes this freshman class. He said it's a really tough situation for a new head coach at a different program because more often than not, you don't really get a choice as to what your freshman class is going to look like. You either inherit the guys that the old coach had recruited and got commitments from, or you know you have you might take guys just to have takes, just to fulfill some roster spots, especially with a transfer portal and how that works these days. He said that Gigi Jackson has a high capacity to learn, and he's going to have higher expectations for him than he does most freshmen because he thinks that he can come along faster than again most freshmen. Which again, like I mentioned earlier, Gigi Jackson's probably a one percenter in terms of high school talent that you can find. It makes sense why he would have that mindset with Gigi. In terms of Daniel Hankins Sanford, he thinks that he is the most physically gifted athlete that he has seen out of all the freshmen he's ever had as a men's basketball coach. One of the best. He says he gets after in the weight room for what he hears and even brought up a joke saying that, you know, if you had your car blocking something on a road that Hankins Sanford could probably just go out there by himself and literally just shove the car out of the way. He said he's just that physically gifted so seems like Hank and Sanford could get some playing time in year one at least as a rotational guy in the front court because of the physicality and aggressiveness that he will bring especially on the defensive end look out for that this upcoming season Zachary Davis from what he said Zachary Davis is improving he still has a ways to go physically he is a unique prospect in terms of the fact he plays guard but he's six foot eight South Carolina does not get those kind of guys very often. Zachary Davis, of course, being six foot eight, he's got a lot. He's got a lot of length that he needs to grow into. He needs to add some muscle, add some weight to that six foot eight frame. Because in the SEC, even guys who are physically, you know, small than six foot eight, you know, if they've got a stronger lower center of gravity, maybe they got a little bit more strength and physicality, they're going to be able to find ways to work around Zachary Davis. Basketball is not just a sport where it's like, hey, if you're just the lengthiest and you're the tallest guy on the court, you're going to win every single battle against anybody who cannot match that that is not true and he pretty much hit that home with Zachary Davis so Zachary Davis it seems like is going to need some time to come along but he did say that he hopes that by the time we get into SEC play maybe sometime in January that you know he'll be able to provide some assistance to the backcourt for South Carolina at the guard position but that was pretty much everything from Lamont Paris's press conference. So that does it for today's show, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Once again, really sorry that it took a while to get this show out again. Again, technical difficulties that were out of my control. So I do hope that y'all enjoyed today's show. What are y'all's thoughts on Maziel Bennett's upcoming commitment announcement? Where do you think he's going to go? Who do you think could step up as the third biggest receiving threat at the wide receiver tight end position for this football team for the second half of the season? And also, if you watched any of Lamont Paris's press conference from a couple days back what are your thoughts on the new head man leading the men's basketball program what do you think he and the team could do in year one i want to hear all of y'all's thoughts as always in the comments section on youtube and of course you can message me on twitter at a line underscore sc if you're listening to today's show on an audio podcast app and of course if you've enjoyed the lockdown gamecocks podcast but you want more news on the entire sec 
Listen, this is the biggest slate of SEC games we might see all year. You got the third Saturday in October matchup in Knoxville, Tennessee. You want to hear more about all those matchups? Go listen to Chris Gordy over on the Locked On SEC podcast. He covers the entire SEC in just 30 minutes, does a great job over there. So be sure to make Locked On SEC your second listen after, of course, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But once again, that does it for me on today's show. I hope that you all have a great rest of your Friday, a fantastic weekend. Enjoy all the college football that you can watch since the Gamecocks are not playing this weekend. And I'll catch y'all on our Monday show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Have a good weekend, everybody.